Hi, I'm Sean Horn, founder and CEO of BeBell.ie. So what is BeBell? Well, it's a place of positivity. It's a place where you can be happy, be kind, be bold, feel supported and encouraged to fulfill your dreams. So join us on social at BeBell.ie for future events and upcoming podcasts. Hello and welcome to BeBell Podcast. Today I am so delighted to be joined by the amazing Gail from Gail's Rails. Gail, welcome. Oh, Shan, thank you so much. It's such an honour to be on here. It really, really is. It, I'm just You inspired me last year, actually a year and a half ago, in Mo Morrissey's Fashion Consultancy course, and I was just drawn to you. So that was it. I knew we were going to be pals. <laughs> I knew it. It's always so lovely. And actually, before we start, I, I was saying this to somebody yesterday, you know, people talk about like networking and this, you know, and, and it all sounds very sort of salesy and like very unnatural to me. And I always say, you know, everybody you meet, you make f- like new friends along the way. And I just think like I, I've been very fortunate over the last few years and I've met some amazing people like yourself. And now to be able to invite them and to tell their own stories on Bebel is like, it's just such a pleasure. I'm very, very fortunate. I feel very grateful. You know, we're grateful. We're grateful you set it up. We really are. We're very, very grateful you set it up. So let's do this, girl. Let's talk about your story. So where did it all begin? Where were you born? Where was I born? I'm a Dublin girl, so I'm a blow-in into Kildare. Um, I I was born and reared in Temple Oak in, in uh, Dublin. And um, I was never very academic. I was very challenged in school. I was dyslexic and... I was faced with an awful lot of challenges. And back then, you know, in the 80s and 90s, it wasn't really, you know, a thing. So um, we were just kind of categorized into classes and I was put into the dunce class and I failed my leaving cert. So I never really knew what I wanted to do, but there was one thing that I did know I was very good at and that was with my hands. Um, home economics, craft in general was very, very important to me, but it wasn't seen as being something that you could pursue as a career. And my grandmother taught me how to knit and sew. So I thank her for every single little bit of success that I have had in my life because she taught me how to knit and sew. And when she helped me knit my teddy bear in second class that won a prize, that was it. And then moving on, I didn't really know. No, there was no guidance really. And you were never really told what you're good at, you know, and maybe, you know, if you weren't good at this or if you weren't going to go to college or fill out your COA form, like whatever, like you're, you, you just didn't know what you were going to do. And there was no guidance. How did you feel, though, like, I suppose, as a younger child? And actually, we have this in common. So I was I was in the dunce class, too. Um, there was a static caravan in the playground. And that's where, you know, what the kids would say, the thick kids went to have their extra classes. And I, I don't remember being saddened by it. I remember feeling quite... Um, I'm quite competitive so I remember feeling quite um, driven to get out of that classroom Um, but I know it was very different growing up in London than it was growing up here so how did it make you feel when you were growing up you know having you know that label I suppose. Well, I suppose in primary school, it didn't really make any difference. Uh, it didn't really affect me in primary school. It was secondary school because what they did was they called all the classrooms different names. So there was Clonard. They were called after small villages in Ireland. And ours was called Duro. 
So we were called the Duro. So it was really horrendous, like, you know, and I don't think people even realized how much it affected us. But you know, the really funny part about it is, there was a class of probably about 30 of us. And I can safely say that there is 10 extremely successful businessmen and women that came from that class. And I mean, extremely successful. One of them is even a writer over in Disneyland. So it is, it really does show you like, you know, creative people really do have a different path. It isn't going to be the academic route they, they, they decide to go down. But even at that, when I left school, I still didn't even know. But then I suppose the penny dropped when I made and designed my own Deb's dress. And then I knew that was it. I was definitely going to pursue something within the fabric industry. Um, I went on to be a dressmaker and seamstress and I got my qualifications, not that they taught me any more than my grandmother taught me, I can tell you. I really, really mean that sincerely. I, I basically had all of the skills and self-taught. I have my qualifications, though. I got my cert and the whole lot. And I went on to do uh, dressmaking and seamstress from my home here in Kilcullen. Amazing. Um, and where did you train as a seamstress? Where, where did you get your certification? I did an online course through the UK because literally I had all of my qualifications already. I was I was well and truly I had made everything from scratch pretty much and I made my own kids clothes and Halloween costumes and everything. So when it came to actually the basic certificate for a seamstress, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is all your, your self-taught um, back in the day with um, the older generation. And that's basically how it all came about. And it's just, it was a natural talent that I had. Yeah. And so how old were you then when you decided to make, you know, you made that choice. This is, I know the light bulb moment. I know that this is where the direction that I'm going to go in. What age were you? Like yourself. I was very driven to leave that classroom and go straight into the working world. So I left that aside and I didn't pursue it. I wanted to go on to do fashion design, etc., but I didn't actually pursue it. And I got pregnant very, very young. So I had my baby boy when I was 21 years of age. So uh, not that I regret anything at all, but my life was put on hold and I was quite happy for it to be put on hold, to be honest with you. Um, he was just my world and I was I was a working mum now as well but I was in a position to leave work when he was three years of age and just basically be with him and you know my, both of my kids are dyslexic too so it was like a full-time job being a mammy so basically Gail's life kind of stopped completely for about 12 years um, until I basically did what a mammy was meant to do and that's rare her kids and get her get them through school um, but while my kids were growing up, I was a bit like you as well. I was kind of like, I can't just sit still. I kind of, I know there's a little bit more to me than just being a mammy. So when I started the dressmaking seamstress, uh, we built a cabin at the side of the house and I did them all, I did a lot of alterations from there. And then I started my own little company called Crafty Couture. So I basically made um, children's headboards. Um, we had an embroidery machine. So I did a lot of embroidery and um, it kind of built from there. But it was fantastic and I was following the dream that I thought I wanted, but the issue I had was um, it was a terrible, lonely job. Yeah. You're on your own all day, looking at a machine, turning orders, whatever. There's very little interaction with the outside world. So when I closed the door of the chalet at the side of the house, I had to come in and be a mammy then with the kids when they came in from school. Uh, 
you know, make dinner, do the, do the normal stuff that mammies had to do. And I just found that there was a little bit of a void. It wasn't satisfying me like I wanted it to. There was just, I'm a people person and I feel I'm a good helper when it comes to people. So I became more of a personal stylist with my clients when I was a dressmaker. And I was kind of guiding them as to what to do and what, you know, and I, I had gone on to do my personal styling course. Yeah. But then I kind of said, you know, I want to really pursue this. I want to go on and I want to do my advanced image consultancy course. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And it was like word of mouth, really, initially. And in July 2015, I started a fashion blog. And basically, like anybody, whether you're a plumber, whether you're a painter, whether you're anything, you have your Facebook and Instagram page to support your business. But my Instagram page and my Facebook page basically turned into this unbelievable network of women that were reaching out. Um, a lot of my clients came from it and my personal shopping um, just just hit the roof like it was just I was nearly three or four months booked in advance but I suppose it was the knowledge of the fabric and understanding what works on women's bodies and not um like I worked with every age shape and size and uh, throughout my career and I think it's really important from for me to just I do my job for nothing I when a woman initially meets me in the morning time for a consultation you can see the nerves you can see the the insecurities you can see the self-consciousness you can see the sadness in these women's eyes and it's it's just it's so rampant in this country it just breaks my heart but when you have your two or two and a half hour session with them and they walk away from you and you see how much more confident they are how they're they stand better their shoulders are back they're proud they know that they're not like they feel like they can walk into a shop now and actually feel normal and they're just guided. And that's what I like to call myself a fashion guider, not influencer. I don't like being dragged into the influencer world. I'm trying to stay very unique and very, very different. It's very hard to do that because there is brands and boutiques that want to work with you, which is fantastic. And I do pick and choose <laughs> who I work with. And um, and then the blog has just turned into this unbelievable platform that I never, ever could have dreamed of. So there's nearly 80 and 85,000 followers between both my platforms. And it's it's just fantastic. It's just and that's, fantastic. I mean, that's busy. Like that's busy. <laughs> just even replying to messages. That's just busy. That's full time and plus some. Um, and I think for me, like I love the idea of what you do and the fact that you deal, you know, and you. You work with so many different shapes, sizes, ages. I, you know, I'm a larger lady, so I do find it difficult shopping. I always have. It's much easier actually now um, than it was in my 20s, without a doubt. But I always say you start your day on, say, on an eight and a half or nine, because there's always improvement. <laughs> and then if you go shopping, if I walk into the first shop and it demoralizes me, my day is, is at a two now before I do anything. So I always try and start with the shop that's going to take me, keep me at the nine or move me to the 10. And it's, and it's difficult. So to have help from somebody like yourself that understands like body shapes, et cetera, like I'm very high waisted, very big hipped. So, you know, it, it, you find your shop and that takes such a long time, doesn't it? 
It's education, really. So, you know, basically I tailor make a file for my client. There's a lot of homework that's done before I meet my client. Like she's to, I have to read into her personality. I can't just meet her outside Zara and say, right, okay, let's go. You know, you know nothing about this woman. You want to have a little bit of insight as to who she is and what she is and what her personality is. It's so important the personality comes into the clothing and that you're bringing that across. And the amount of women that felt like they dressed frumpy or they dressed boring or they dressed in the same thing there's absolutely nothing wrong with that that's your comfort zone that's where you feel safe and yes I am going to experiment with you a little bit to kick you out of your comfort zone a little bit but not to a point where you're walking away kind of going well I didn't learn anything you need to learn every single thing and accept every single thing about yourself before you can never decide to even go shopping. You need to have the education of understanding. And I think body shape is just so important. Like you just said, short-waisted, you know, like there's, there's a pair of jeans for everybody. And it's just knowing the brands and the styles that suit you. And like I said, my job is extremely, it's, it's constant research, constant research, because all of the high street stores where I would do a lot of my personal shopping, they change their ingredients in Turkey and Istanbul and wherever. And they might be the perfect gene this year. But if you know yourself, if you go into Marks and Spencer's next year, they're not yes. necessarily the exact same gene, even though they're the same uh, name. So this is the this is the problem with the industry. And my dream has always been to I've seen the voids. I've seen the issues. I've seen where it's difficult for women to get good capsule pieces for body shapes. And it's always been my dream to have my own clothing collection. And I'm five years in the making of it. And I'm very proud to say that next year or next month, it is being launched, so. It is amazing. And actually when we first met, obviously you were working on it. And so to see it come to fruition and actually to see it be, um, you know, I think partnerships and collaborations with the right businesses are just so, so, so important. And to see it being launched and exclusively sold in such a, an amazing Irish established, you know, business. Pamela Scott is is such a strong brand. Like you, I can just see your, your smile is getting bigger and bigger. It's amazing. It's, a, it's an Irish household name and um, they are an incredible family. Um, I've met Richard's father. All the boys work under one roof. It is very, and I suppose a lot of people don't even realise that, that it's it's one big happy family. And I mean that very sincerely. When you walk in there, there is just a real sense of togetherness and uh, the team in their warehouse, the girls in the office. It is just a lovely, lovely place to walk into. And I always knew that my my collection was going to be in serious safe hands um, in Pamela Scott. And I have a connection to the Brennans actually. No way. So when my when I first moved here in 2000, I took over the David Lloyd, the Riverview Club, which the oh. Brennans owned. Yes. So, yeah, so I, I have met them, you know, and they're, they're lovely. They're so they're nice. Lovely. They played, the boys actually played a lot of tennis and that's why they had the club. Um, so, yeah, um, I've always been a supporter of Pamela Scott and... Um, yeah, I just think I'm I'm delighted for you. I think it's a perfect, perfect place for you to sit. And so when does it actually launch? Well, you see, we're in the middle of a pandemic at the moment. Yes. Um, and as you know yourself, you've been there, done that. And it doesn't always go to plan, but it's something that I'm not really 
worried about you know like I'm not going to say we have a deadline or whatever like when it'll happen it'll happen so um it was meant to be the 12th of March but um it's looking as like it's going to be a little bit delayed so it could be a couple of weeks delayed just simply because of COVID and deliveries and you know and I'm I'm finicky so my samples have come back and I've changed them god knows how many times (laughs) so I have to make sure it's absolutely perfect but my collection is a capsule wardrobe so a lot of it is just going to be very simple capsule pieces. But what I've done is I've incorporated my knowledge as to the things that irritate women when they buy clothes. Mm. And I've eliminated that from my capsule pieces. So it will be the perfect piece and it'll go to piece with very practical pieces that are very much um, going to make your job getting dressed in the morning very easy because the whole collection mixes and matches. I love it. How many pieces are in the collection? Ah, you're asking an awful lot of questions. <laughs> um, well, I kind of let a little bit of a hint um, there when I showed the empty rail, there was 10 hangers. Amazing. So, That's a very good idea. I like that. I like the teasing it in. So like, if you look at where, you know, what's happening now, like in the middle of a pandemic, let's say, you know, what's happening now. If you take yourself back to like growing up in Dublin, you know, did you ever think that this is where you'd be? Never in a million years, because I have spoken about this before. When I was growing up, I was the eldest um, of four of us all together. It was a boy and two girls. So I was, I always felt my sisters were perfect little size, sixes and eights. And they were stunners. My, my One of my sisters, like, is nearly five foot eight. Like, and it's, it's, I always felt I struggled with my weight most of my life um, and particularly in my 20s so I always felt like the frumpy ugly one and um, it was something that I just always had in my head that I was never the pretty one and um, I could never do anything or pursue anything or I was always conscious of photographs or whatever but I suppose I, I hit rock bottom after I had my second child and I went into severe depression for two years and I think it was either a case of make or break like it's a case of like what are you going to do are you just going to be like this forever and your kids to look back on the type of you know sad man that they had or are you going to snap yourself out of it and try do something for yourself and try save yourself and I think the moment I stopped worrying about what everybody else thought and that was my biggest problem because I'm a yes girl and I'm very much um, a pleaser and it did my self-confidence absolutely no good whatsoever. And I was all the time worrying about what this person thinks, what that person thinks. I'd be too self-conscious to do that because this person be talking to me. And now I'm in an industry where that comes with the territory, but it's a case of you hold your head up high, you know the type of person you are, you know you're a good person and you know that you do good for people and I, I can do anything. I can do absolutely anything. But the law of attraction is just something that I really do firmly believe in. Oh, I'm the same. Yeah. I believe you receive it without a shadow of a doubt. And I believed I was weak. I believed I was, you know, stupid. I believed all of these negative things about myself so therefore there was nothing happening with my life except me being in bed and not be able to brush my teeth in the morning so it just did a complete 360 and I said let's just go for it and let's just do it and when you were in that depression was there help for you did you reach out yeah 
Yeah, there was. There was like my family is in Dublin and I'm here in Kildare. And luckily, um, both my sisters hadn't started their families yet. So they were a massive support. And my husband at the time was an incredible support as well. Um, But it was just a case of nobody could help me, you know, and despite having so many loved ones around you, it doesn't make any difference. You're still lonely. It makes no difference whatsoever. So the support was fantastic and I do appreciate it now. But at the time, it was a case of I'm still this lost little soul and I don't know who I am or where I'm meant to be in life. And I had so much to be grateful for. But I don't people just people who don't suffer with depression or anxiety don't understand that you could be the richest person in the world living in the biggest mansion with 20 cars out the front. It doesn't matter. It's it's makes no difference what you have or what you don't have. Yeah, and I always say loneliness doesn't mean that you live by yourself. Loneliness, you could have a a house full and massive family. You could still be lonely. I'll tell you a very good example of that. It was my brother's 30th birthday in the Pochine still up in Dublin. And we had had a huge, big get together, huge, big get together. And I was so anxious about the whole thing. I was self-conscious of my weight at the time and I was dreading it. And I think I bought about 15 outfits for that night for just a couple of drinks in the local pub, which was just ridiculous. But that is a sure sign that there's something wrong deep inside. And when we arrived, everybody was there. My whole family, everybody was up and dancing and having the crack or whatever. And there's one photograph taken of me that night. And it's the photograph I look back on. And that night I had to leave uh, without anybody seeing me, get into a taxi and go home to my mum and dad's house. And I sat and sobbed in a corner for about three hours. And that was the point where I said, right, no, it's time now for for you to really help yourself and mind yourself. But that night was definitely, I think, the the turning point for me as to, you know, where we're going with life, you know. And to come from that, to give you happiness, I'm sure there's boundaries that have to be set. So how difficult did you find that? In terms of what? Now, just explain that to me a little bit better. Absolutely. So, you know, I think, you know, to create that happiness for yourself, if that light bulb moment, that moment that you decide to make a change, obviously things change then for other people. If you're the yes person and, you know, so boundaries kind of have to be set slowly to, to, to enable you to be number one on the list, I suppose. And if we're not number one, we're no good to anybody else anyway. But, but to set boundaries for people that are used to you just saying yes to everything is difficult for the other person. Yes, I guess it is. And I kind of see that a little bit reflection in my kids today because they still kind of see me like whether whether they want me or not, they, I'm still kind of they I have to be here, you know, and have to be yeah. at the second call. And that's fine. But I suppose it kind of brought an awful lot of light to my marriage at the time. And um, it, it really kind of shone light as to where the issues were and where I needed to focus on to kind of rectify a couple of things. And um, yeah, it was difficult times ahead. Um as regards to difficult for people, yeah, it probably was. It was probably a little bit, um, well, my marriage broke down very soon afterwards, but it was only because maybe I realized that that was maybe one of the problems that I was having. Um, and um, that was difficult. Yeah, it was difficult for both of us, to be honest. Um, but yeah, the kids, I think, were the biggest. It was a big challenge for them, I think, more so than anything else. But um, Gales Rails was, it did start slowly. 
Yes. So it was kind of like it, it didn't I don't recall that as being a major issue because I I probably was still the yes woman. And if I'm to be completely honest, I probably still am, to be honest. Yeah. And it's hard, isn't it? Because it's hard to say no to people and it's hard to say you know, when you're used to, to people pleasing, to please, you know, please everybody around, we all want to make other people happy. That's just natural. That's human. Um, but it, and it is difficult. And I do have some friends that do it very well, actually. I always say I think yoga instructors do it very well. The yogis were really good at like living in their dharma and 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 saying things like, actually, I'd love to do that for you, but that doesn't work for me. And I remember when I first moved into the Pilates arena and I was like, what do you mean it doesn't work for you? But we really need it done. Um, but I suppose, you know, moving forward and boundaries have to be set a little, even for yourself, because now, you know, you've got your social media platforms, you've got this new business about to launch. It's a lot of work. It is. And I'm doing 16 hours a day. There is there is there is no doubt I was in bed. I couldn't sleep last night and I was up trying to do pricing for a fashion show that I'm recording today. It is nonstop. And it, I'm, I'm, there's one thing I do fall down on. And it's actually one of my questions for your pot. I do fall down on time management, but I think any self-employed mum does fall down in in um, in time management. It's just I, I, I have a terrible bad attention span as it is being dyslexic. So I get very, very distracted very, very easily. Um, so I, I, I have learned to structure it. I've done, for me, lists are the best thing ever. I'd be lost without a list. Every morning with my cup of coffee, I just write a list. And if I get three or four of those things ticked off that list. It's just a sense of satisfaction. I'm even the type of girl that will write something on the list just to get the satisfaction to tick it off. <laughs> I know, I do that. One thing I, I, I do, and I do it all the time, and I do it with all my clients, is time blocking because I think it's really important. But like, for instance, you know, I, knew, I know I'm on here at the moment, so the phone is off. There's no interruptions. I'm completely present. When I stop doing this and I go to my next job, it's about the phone and then the phone goes off again. So it's, you know, for me, it's not lack of time management, it's over interruptions. That's it, that is exactly it. My job, I'm trying to restructure the whole um, website system at the moment. And uh, for that reason, uh, just from accessibility and the time that I spend corresponding is just, um, it, it, I, I need to, I need to find a solution to that one for sure, because I could correspond to maybe 200 uh, Instagram messages and things like that a day. And I, I do want to because they could be clients of mine or their followers or their, you know, and they might be just lovely messages. They're not necessarily asking for advice, yeah. um, but it is something that I do need to restructure because at the moment that seems to be the only blockage that I have in business to help me move forward. Um, but yeah, there, there's definitely structure like, before the pandemic, uh, February of last year, I was diagnosed by my doctor by burnout. And, you know, there's probably not very many people I'd say this out loud to, but when the pandemic hit and lockdown hit and we had to lock ourselves in, there was a serious sigh of relief from me. My body needed it there and then. And I was able to um, remove myself from the crazy rat race that we were living in and I think I think if any woman out there is to be honest who's in business I reckon there was a lot of women that felt like that deep down and um, but what it did do was it gave me a opportunity to refocus on the business and refocus on what was important and what I could do and after taking the rest you know you, you 
you you get back into the rat race very very quickly and then all of a sudden by September sure I was as busy as I was before a pandemic despite lockdown because I was able to run the business from my my studios here but um it, it is something that I do struggle with it is something that poor William like I have meltdowns at least once a week you know, <laughs> at least once a week but it is having the good support like and having support around you but that's back to saying yes, I think, because um, like the good thing about being able to see everybody in person is you physically could only take so many bookings because, you know, sometimes you might be driving two hours to get somewhere, do the job, drive home. So that's one day. Now you can do like two things. And so yeah. maybe you need to write down how many things I would say it's the most interesting thing when you actually write down for two weeks, everything you do in every minute of the day because you can't rectify anything if you really don't understand why you're doing it. So, so I would challenge you to do that. I'm definitely going to do that because what you do is you do the basics and you write down the list and there's a list here beside me of what the, the, the essentials that need to be done. But like you said, you didn't incorporate those 200 correspondence that you did. You didn't incorporate. And then if you were to look back on it, you'd be very bloody proud of yourself. Yeah. You know, you'd want to give yourself a pat on the back and I'm terrible hard on myself. Yeah, I, I'm never doing enough. I'm never moving enough. I'm never achieving enough. And, and, and that's just my personality. I'm extremely hard on myself, but my feet are firmly on the ground. And anybody that follows me that knows me and knows me personally or on my on my social media they know the type of personality I am and yeah I'm a soft gobbly gobshite to be honest with you I really I think as well like the the picture that like I've used visualization a lot and the picture that we have of success changes as we get older if you'd asked me 10 years ago what I'd be doing now I would have said oh I've probably got eight Pilates studios now whatever and actually when I got to a point in my business I was like actually my picture's changed I don't want to do that I actually just want to spend my time talking to amazing women that's what I want to do um, and if you, I love that I love that term yeah. that you just used but picture. it does though it, it oh I make pictures all the time in my brain and it does like somebody says to me what does success I always ask people you know what does success look like because sometimes people don't know. They're just peddling and, and it, you know, I need to make it bigger and stronger and all the time. And actually, sometimes when you get there, you're so busy, you don't have any time to enjoy it. That's very true. So true. It is so, so true. And I know anybody listening to this podcast now, they're nodding their heads because every single person is exactly the same. We as women in general just feel like we just have to keep pushing ourselves and keep achieving and keep and instead of just maybe being in the moment and I'll, I'll be completely honest with you I haven't reached that point yet I, I I I really haven't I am halfway through a book at the moment um so it's it, it's just again just moving forward and just it's not that I'm not that I'm looking for happiness I've, I've found happiness in exactly what I do it's just probably trying to fine-tune it I suppose a little bit to kind of say right well you know where where could we fix this because I do feel like I lack on family time and just as a self-employed woman um you know it's it is that's hard and so that's something that I want to focus on and the only reason why I jig the business a little bit is to make sure that I can spend a little bit more time with family absolutely like all I'm doing at the moment is just working so that when when this is over I can get on flights and 
you know. And actually, I was like, I'm going where she, where you went in Lanzarote, that lovely hotel. I remember uh, watching your stories, and I was like, I, I go to Lanzarote all the time, and you stayed in a beautiful hotel. Was it H1? H1, Rubicon Palace. Yeah, Rubicon Palace. It is absolutely stunning. And it's close enough, like, to, um, you know, it, it's away from the strips and all that. Of, I, I'm just not into it. Um, but there's some fabulous places. I just love, I love Lanzarote. Absolutely love it. Yeah. We were meant to be there um, two weeks ago. <laughs> I was meant to be there about three times. <laughs> oh, God. Brilliant. Listen, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see the launch. I can't wait to see how it evolves because, you know, as you said, you're not finished. It's ever evolving. So the next year is, is like, I suppose, a really important year for you. Extremely. Yeah, it's it's like I don't know what's coming. I always have a plan. I always have kind of like, you know, where I want to be at or whatever. But like you said, that, that can change on a daily basis. So Let's just take it one day at a time and see how it goes. Um, I am nervous about the clothing collection, but the support I have uh, from followers is just mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing. So, um, yeah, so please got a little bit, of, excuse me, please got a little bit of karma. It will come back. Uh, oh, it will. And, do you know, like your, your page and you yourself, you ooze the energy you know, I do believe in the law of attraction and you do get back what, what you give out. And and I think sometimes people forget you need to give a little first oh, and then for, for you to receive. And it's I really lovely. I think that's the secret in business. I think um, if you give a little, you're going to get an awful lot back. And I think that was proof at the very beginning of lockdown one. I did non-affiliated posts right the way through lockdown one for companies that I had worked with. And I got two brand ambassadorships out of it going forward. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's yeah. but it's just living proof of it. Yeah, absolutely. Give a little. So we're going to go to the pot. I know you didn't believe me, but I <laughs> we really do have a pot. Um, so your predecessors that have been interviewed already all leave questions in here. So I'm just going to take a couple of questions out. Um, and just quick questions. So one thing you can't live without. Mascara. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Um, in life, who has been your biggest inspiration? My grandmother. Uh, of course. My grandmother, yeah. My grandmother actually put me here today. I know she taught you everything. Does she ever give you a saying that she that you keep with you? No, my nana, my nana died when I was about 12, 13. And um it was just it's childhood memories that I have of my nana. But um no, there's nothing really. She was a very direct woman. There was um it was absolutely, you know, she shoot it from the hip. That was it. And, you know, she was just an extremely strong, direct woman. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely thank her. She was the only one that probably gave me a little bit of encouragement as to what I was good at. Yeah, I love that, that she recognised it and she nurtured it and she, she made it your power. Absolutely. Uh, and this is a lovely one to finish on. What three words best describe you? Sensitive, uh, caring, and um, a doer. I suppose I'm a doer. A grafter, an absolute grafter. Gail, thank you so, so much. I've really enjoyed the chat. Um, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. I'll um, be cheerleader from the side, and I wish you all the best of luck. Well, Shan, thank you so much. It's been such an honour. And I was nervous at the beginning, and I don't know why. I don't know why. You just make everything so easy. So easy. You have a great day, girl. I will. Thank you.